0: We're going to be in Isaiah quite a bit this morning. It's an awesome book, 66 chapters covering the 66 books of the Bible. Isaiah goes from pre creation all the way to the consummation of time. Everything that's in the whole Bible is touched on by the prophet Isaiah in his 66 chapters. It's the whole Bible in miniature. And so if you, next time you read the book of Isaiah, keep that thought in mind. You begin to recognize. He doesn't have it in sequential order, but it's all in there. It's an awesome, awesome book. Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Here's the key. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Awesome verses. The kingdom of God is not an accidental kingdom. Whatever happens in the kingdom happens with purpose and with the desired end in view. There are no accidents. Two weeks ago, I talked about the promises of God and how committed God is to those promises. We saw how he had guaranteed his promises to Abraham by making a covenant commitment and that he bound himself to that commitment without requiring anything of Abraham. Free salvation, a gift of God. It's interesting to note in light of the process used in making that covenant, the killing of animals and cutting open open of those sacrifices and laying them out on the ground so that they stand in the middle of them as they make the pact, that the term that developed over time is the cutting of covenant. You ever heard that term? And they cut covenant. They literally cut the sacrifice open to make the covenant. And that's where that term uh, comes from. But the point was that Abraham was so convinced that God was fully committed to that covenant that he was willing to risk the loss of all that he had hoped for and was promised because he believed God. He believed God. And I think that we all came to the conclusion that God is faithful. Amen? And then last week, Katrina, without knowing what I had shared the week before, talked about Abraham's story and his need to continually return to the altars of the Lord, a reminder of God's great promises. And I've been contemplating, Martha and I get some time away up at our cabin this week and uh, the first day of rest, Uh, we are walking around at the uh, uh, crafts fair and my back went out and so I end up back at our uh, timeshare lying on the couch for the day and, you know, just reading books and sucking down ibuprofens and, you know, saying this is rest. Why did I stop working? And so I was contemplating these promises and this whole theme and I opened up my little iPod and on my iPod I have a Bible app and I tapped on the Bible app and this is what popped up just like it just did, not only did it pop up, up, it popped up highlighted in yellow, okay? But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied. The people increased and multiplied. And I was just impacted by this thought, you know, it is not an accidental kingdom, The fact that we're looking at the promises of God. God is in the process of doing something with us. He wants us to apprehend the concept of his great and awesome promises to us so that we can increase and multiply and prosper in the promises of God. As we lay hold of the truth of it, those truths begin to become our realities. That's what I got out of. it. God has just been affirming and confirming that in my heart as, we, as we've been in this subject of the promises. So I just want to pray, Father, as we delve deeper into apprehending these promises, I pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would come and breathe life on your word, on our hearts, and on our understanding, that we also, O oh God, would increase and multiply with the greatness of the kingdom that you have given us in this hour, that we might glorify and give praise to the King of glory, Jesus Christ. Amen. But for us right now, the question is, how do we walk in that kind of trust in the promises of God? How do we make it a now part of our life? Are there steps that we can take or adjustments we can make in our behavior, or in our responses, or our decision-making processes that will help us to apprehend and benefit from God's promises? In other words, can we apply this to our lives now? I believe the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. First of all, we must realize that God has promised a purpose for us, a higher calling. Wherever you are, I don't care how long you've been, been in the Lord. Wherever you are in the Lord right now at this moment, there's something greater. There's something larger. There's something bigger. There's something more astounding. His promises are abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever hope, dream, or imagine them to be. So no matter where you're at, if you think, I have arrived. You've only arrived at the moment. There's something more. There's something better. That's his promise. His promise is constantly unfolding before us as we apprehend it. Isn't that good news? Right? Huh? Isaiah 42, 5. You can turn there if you'd like to. Thus says God. Thus says God. I like that. God is talking now. Thus says God. The Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. Now listen to this. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. Can you personalize that today? Can you take that to heart today that God is talking to you? That he has a promise higher calling for you today. A clear, well-defined statement. God is talking to you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Now listen, and here's the benefit. Here's the cap on it to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I will give to no other, From or my praise to carved Idols. As we apprehend the promises of God and begin to minister out of those promises and affect the world around us, opening blind eyes, delivering those who are in darkness, setting them free from lifelong bondages, Jesus Christ receives continual glory because none of it comes from us, it comes through us. It emanates from the grace of God by his promises through the lives that we live and God receives the glory. Isn't that awesome? That's exciting, right? But it requires a response from us. So the second part of this is the letting go. Hmm? Isaiah 42, 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. In Isaiah 43:18 and 19, he says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. So there's a letting go of the old. There's a moving on from those things. And we see that in his dealings with Abraham in Genesis 12:1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from, let go of this, go from this. Go from your country. Go from your kindred. Go from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Let go of this and lay hold of that. You know, if you're holding on to something so tight over here, you can't grab the thing that's over here. You're going to lay hold of one of the other. Either you're going to keep this or you got to let that go so you can get that. Do you ever see how they catch monkeys? It's an awesome trick it's an awesome trick they put out a beer bottle with a peanut in it and the monkey's hand is small enough to reach into the neck of that beer bottle but once he grabs the peanut he's got a clenched fist and he can't get it out and he won't let go of the peanut if he let go of the peanut he could get away but he wants that peanut more than he wants his freedom. And they got him. They got him. Right? So what are you holding on to? <laughs> got a peanut in your hand? Let it go. If you want to move on, if you want to get out of bondage, if you want to get out of the snare and the trap of the devil, sometimes you've got to let go of what you've got a hold of. Hmm? Even if it's a peanut. Genesis Genesis fifteen seven and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from. Isn't it true that the Lord is just continually moving us along? How many changes have we experienced here over the last several years? My goodness, my head's spinning, you know? It's the only constant we have is change. Change is a, is a constant. Jesus is quite emphatic about this in Luke 14:26 and I took this one out of the message bible because I think it just states it so clearly. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. Wow. That is heavy duty. I don't even want to get down that path with you. Contemplate that one before the Lord. In Mark 10, 29, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands For my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. Why do you want to let go of the peanut? To lay hold of the gold. Right? There's something better that he has for us when we let go of the good that we already have. So, number one, God has promised us a greater purpose for our lives. Number two, in order to pursue that promised higher calling, I must let go of my former life. And I can tell you that that doesn't mean just the bad things we used to do. Oh, yeah, well, I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. You know, I don't go to the bars anymore. You know, I don't beat people up. You know, I'm really moving on with the Lord. That isn't what it's all about. You know, those, those things should just go anyways. You know, that's just part of the conversion process. Sometimes those things just disappear. Hmm? Listen how Paul understands it in Philippians 3, 7. But whatever gain I had, whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Philippians 3, 7. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not awesome? Not awesome? Huh? Paul saw the value of letting go of the peanut and pursuing the gold. And there's a third element that I I find in this dynamic of apprehending uh, the promise, and Isaiah uh, expresses it in a a very poetic form. In Isaiah 42.10, he says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the deserts and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kadar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. There has to be a new song. There has to be a new song. If we are leaving the old, then there must be a new. See, that's the thing that people often miss when they're considering uh, change that happens in their life. Oh, I don't know if I want to leave that. You know, I've been so comfortable here. And, you know, why should I leave this? This is where I've always been. And, you know, if you don't leave the old, you never enter the new. Leaving the old is not an end. It's a beginning. When you step out of the old, you step into the new. And that's what the, the prophet is seeing in this. Sing to the Lord a new song. So is this all about geography and voice lessons? <laughs> is that what he's saying? You know, I don't think so. I know that in real estate, it's all about location, location, location. You know? But in the kingdom of God... Where you are is far less uh, important than what you are or who you are. Leaving the old is about character transformation. Becoming new in Christ until the melody of your life becomes a new song unto the Lord. Look where Paul starts his conversation in Philippians 3, Philippians 3, 1, second part of that verse. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. I find it interesting that Paul begins his dialogue with a statement of finality. You'd think he'd end his dialogue, finally, my brothers," but he opens with it. He opens with the end, he starts with the end. You see, he, he understands the transition transition from old means new. So he can start with an ending because he's entering into a newness. Finally, my brothers. But you can understand when you read his closing statement in Philippians three twenty and twenty one. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You see, as we leave the old and step into the new, the end of that journey is we end up just like him. That's where he's drawing us to. That's where he's calling us to. Sing to the Lord a new song. You're going to a new place, a new kingdom, a new lifestyle, a new body. The description of it is is awesome. We are heading somewhere. We are on a journey. And the better story that God has written for our lives and invited us into becoming active participants is a story of extreme transformation. Believe God sell out to his purpose, and let go of your own life. We've all been caught up in the same old song and dance long enough, haven't we? It's time for a new song. Oh, man, you've been singing that song forever, right? Huh? Oh, I saw some responses of you. You know what I'm talking about, right? right? It's time for a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Stop singing that old song to him because he has something new for you. Start a new melody today. Start a new song today. Take the old song and say, all right, Lord, I'm done with this. It's yours. You take this one. Give me a new one. It's time to make your life count for something bigger than ourselves. It's time to demonstrate his glory in the earth and to bring him praise. And it all boils down to this. The promises of God stretch out before us like a highway. A highway that the prophet Isaiah called the highway of holiness. A journey that transforms us. A story that renews us and gives us hope and a destination that leads us to the promises, to the God of the promises, to the God of the promises. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes the highway of holiness. In Isaiah 35, 1, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Anyone got an anxious heart this morning? Anyone dealing with something this morning? I want to say to you, be strong and fear not. The Lord is for you. That's his promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense. the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for the waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there. It shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray." No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed of the Lord shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. What are they going to be singing? They're going to be singing their new song. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. In June of 1998, I had a dream, and the dream concerned the highway of holiness. And out of that dream, I made a decision and I took a trip to Egypt, and I made up a sign in English and in uh, Arabic the highway of holiness. And I climbed the uh, Great Pyramid on the side facing Jerusalem and buried the sign in between the stones at the top of the pyramid, the Highway of Holiness. And then I, through some really strange circumstances, ended up on a bus and went to Babylon. And out of the Ishtar Gate, where Nebuchadnezzar left Babylon to destroy Jerusalem, they were reconstructing the gate. And I made up another sign, the Highway of Holiness, and put it inside the Ishtar Gate before they bricked it up. And so the two signposts for the Highway of Holiness have been planted because Isaiah says that the Assyrian, that is the Iraqis of today, and the Egyptian shall travel together and they shall join with the Jew and they shall worship me on the Highway of Holiness. And God had me plant the markers in Egypt and in Iraq to start the highway. there's a highway of holiness. There's a way, a promised way that God has made for us, and we're part of it, saints. So God has promised a greater purpose for my life than I have. In order to pursue that promised higher calling, I must let go of my former life and begin to sing a new song with my life. Start by practicing praise with your words until your praise becomes an expression of worship through the life that you live. You know, something bad happens, and the old song is a, a complaint or a whining or a complaining or an accusation or a pointing of the finger. Throw away that old song. Get rid of that old dance. And instead of that, something bad happens, Lord Jesus, I just give you praise today because I know you see what's going on in my life. I just adore you, and I know that your promises are going to overcome this for me. I can't do it, but you can. So I'm giving you praise for this circumstance and situation that I'm in. And that's a new song, isn't it? And as you lift up your praise, your life becomes a sound of worship to heaven itself, and you become an instrument of praise and worship in the earth. Sing to the Lord a new song. Hmm? Isn't that better? Isn't that better than what you've been doing? It's better than what I've been doing. Right, Martha? <laughs> uh, and this is where we're heading. This is the end of our journey. Revelation 21.1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and the sea was no more. You know, everything we fight and strive for, in a moment of time, is going to be gone. There isn't a thing that you clamor and claw for that won't pass away. Let go of the peanut. Please. Please. Get free. Go for the gold. Something so much better. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now listen to this. If you don't need this, then... And you're not really even breathing. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Sing to the Lord a new song. All of these things are going to pass away. That is his promise That's the end of the journey. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can count on this. All the old pain is going to vanish. Everything can be new. Here's the good news. In our understanding of kingdom theology, all that's promised as a future hope is accessible now. You start singing a new song with your life, and you watch the pain and the tears begin to vanish from your life. You start dancing a new dance, singing a new song. Everything will change because he's promised that's the destination, but you can arrive early. He said to me, it's done. It is done. It's accessible now. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. The former things have passed away. They went into the tomb with Jesus Christ, crucified, dead and buried. When he rose up, he started a new thing. He left the old in the grave. Behold, I am making all things new. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Here today, O God, I can see on the faces of some who have been affected by your word that there's a new song welling up. Lord, there's a hope that is stirring in our hearts today, of the faithfulness of your promises to us, O oh God. Lord, some of us have circumstances and situations that could pound us into the ground, O oh God, but you have risen. You have resurrection power for us, O oh God. We want to sing that song today, O oh God. We will not fear. We will not be overcome by worry, O oh God. Lord, we lay this at the feet of your throne of grace, O God, and we say, take away the old. Make it new. Make us new, O God. Give us a new song and a melody in our hearts, O God, that we can be changed and transformed into the image of your glorious Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, today from this pulpit, I impart newness of life to this body of believers, O God. Father, I ask you by your spirit to do what only you can do. Infuse them with hope and with faith and with the melody of heaven that out of their innermost being, O oh God, they would worship you and glorify you in the earth. Be blessed through your people. I pray, O oh God, in Jesus.